Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. The same power of the Holy Spirit that lifted Jesus out of the tomb, that same resurrection power is in your life to give you power over sin. Believe, declare, act on the truth of God's Word, and you will win the mind games when Satan comes knocking. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, the devil has a personal vendetta against every child of God. And if you're a Christian, you can bet you are in Satan's crosshairs. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress looks at the spiritual armor that God has given to us to protect ourselves against Satan's forces. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress. Thanks, David, and welcome to a brand new week of Bible teaching on Pathway to Victory. It's hard to miss the irony in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He wrote this emotion-filled letter while chained to a Roman guard, explaining to his Christian friends about how we can be free from our captor, the devil, who will chain us to sin and to death. When he gets to the sixth chapter of his letter, Paul delivers his quintessential message on defeating the enemy. It's a lesson on spiritual warfare that has protected Christians for generations as they learn to put on the full armor of God. That's the topic of our current series, and it's also the basis for my best-selling book called The Divine Defense. I want to send you a copy of my book right away. You don't need to become Satan's next victim. God has given you the equipment to win your battles against him. Let me send you a copy of my book, The Divine Defense. It's yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. And when you respond today, I'll also include the creative, multi-folded brochure called Equipped for Battle. This is a quick reference guide to grab when you're in the midst of any spiritual conflict, because it reminds you of the promises God has granted for your triumph. Each panel names one of the six strategies and supporting scriptures to follow. I'll say more about these resources near the end of today's program, but right now I'm eager to get started with another relevant study on the topic of spiritual warfare. I've titled today's message, When Satan Comes Knocking. Your mind is the devil's playground. Or perhaps more accurately, your mind is the spiritual battleground on which the invisible war for your soul is being waged. The choices you make every day that shape your life and your destiny, those choices begin with a thought. And that's why it's no surprise that in Ephesians chapter 6, when Paul begins discussing how we can win and the spirit wars that every one of us is engaged in, he begins with talking about how we can control our thoughts. Thoughts that determine our life and ultimately our destiny. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 as we discover what to do when Satan comes knocking on the door of your mind. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, when Paul wrote these powerful words about spiritual warfare, remember where he was. He was not sitting in the pastor's study someplace uh, writing these words. Instead, he was under arrest in Rome, 
And, and while he was under arrest, every six hours he would be chained to a new Roman guard. And so as Paul was chained to that guard and he was thinking about this subject of spiritual warfare, he looked at that guard closely and he thought to himself, you know, the same weapons, the same equipment that this guard utilizes to succeed in battle against the enemy in many ways is alike the equipment, the spiritual equipment God has provided each one of us in our war against Satan. And so as Paul sat there and he penned this letter to the Christians at Ephesus, he picked out six pieces of armor on that Roman soldier and used them as a metaphor for the kind of strategies we need to use if we're going to defeat Satan's plan to destroy our lives. Now look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 14. Paul writes, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm therefore having girded your loins with truth. Well, the New International Version uh, probably translates it more accurately when Paul encourages us to put on what he calls the belt of truth. The first piece of spiritual equipment that will help us defeat Satan's plan to destroy our life is the belt of truth. Now, you know, in our culture, belts are kind of secondary accessories. But for a Roman soldier, the belt was essential especially in warfare. You see, if he went into battle with this tunic that was free-flowing, an enemy could easily grab hold of a portion of that tunic and gain an unfair advantage in hand-to-hand combat. Or the soldier himself might actually trip over the tunic while he was engaged in battle. So the first thing a soldier would do before he went into battle, he would take the loose ends of that tunic and he would tuck them into the leather belt that the soldier wore. And so Paul uses that analogy in spiritual warfare. You know, all of us have these free-flowing thoughts through our minds. Thoughts that, if we're not careful, can give the enemy an unfair advantage over us. Thoughts that can even trip us up in our own walk with God. And that's why, if we're going to be successful in defeating Satan's plan to destroy us, we've got to know what to do with these thoughts that come into our minds. You say, Pastor, what kind of thoughts are you talking about? You know, we looked at four of Satan's most lethal lies that he loves to implant in our consciousness. The lie that we don't really have what we need to be happy in life. That promotes discontent. Or the feeling that we better take charge of our life if we want what's best. That leads to pride and independence. We talked about the lie that says, I'm all alone in this world. That leads to fear. Or the lie that says, I've been mistreated by God or by others. That leads to bitterness. And there are a thousand other lies that Satan loves to use with us. Now, what are we to do when those lies come into our life? Paul says we need to confront them with the belt of truth. Now, exactly how do we go about doing that? Let me share with you just four practical ways that you can confront wrong thoughts with the belt of truth in your everyday life. Number one, if you want to gain control over your thoughts, you have to refuse to feel guilty about wrong thoughts. Refuse to feel guilty about wrong thoughts. Um, Let's suppose... You're awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning with a loud banging sound on your front door. You stumble out of bed. You go to the front door. You look through the peephole to see who in the world is trying to get into your house at this unholy hour. And if you look through that peephole and you see a 
friend or family member, you might open the door and allow them to come in to see what they need. However, if you look through that peephole and see a guy wearing a ski mask carrying a gun, chances are you're not going to unlock the door. But if you do see somebody through that peephole who is trying to do you harm, I'll tell you one thing you're not going to do. You're not going to bemoan the fact that that burglar chose your house over the next door neighbor's house to rob. You wouldn't feel guilty about the fact that an intruder was trying to break into your home. And it's the same way with wrong thoughts. You know, I don't believe in false guilt. There's no such thing as false guilt. But there is such a thing called misplaced guilt. Many times we feel guilty for the wrong things. And there are a lot of people out there who feel guilty because they have wrong thoughts that come into our minds. Now, the truth is there are some things we do to stimulate wrong thoughts. Certain television programs, movies, internet sites we might visit, all of those things can stimulate wrong thoughts. But the truth is, if you were alone on a desert island without any television or without any books or any laptop, you would still struggle with wrong thoughts. How do I know that? By reading the Bible. Turn over to Luke chapter 4 for just a moment. Did you know Jesus had to battle with wrong thoughts? You see that in Luke chapter 4. Now, the setting of Luke chapter 4 is Jesus is 30 years of age. He has just experienced the spiritual high point of his life, his baptism. Remember, at his baptism, God the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was ready to launch into his three-year ministry that would end with his death and his resurrection here on earth and his ascension into heaven. But before he began his ministry, he went through a time of testing in the wilderness. For 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus was bombarded with temptations that were all centered in wrong thoughts. You don't have what you need to be satisfied, Jesus, the devil said. Why not take these stones and turn them into bread? That was discontent, same way Satan tempts us. Or he said, you know, Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world can be yours if you'll simply bow down and worship me. Greed, wanting wanting something outside of God's will for your life. Or he said to Jesus, you know what? You don't have to wait till later for everybody to recognize you as as the Messiah. Why don't you go ahead and take charge of your own life now? Forget God's timetable. You take charge. Jump down from the pinnacle of the temple and everybody will recognize you as Messiah. Look at Luke 4 verses 1 to 3. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, Jesus became hungry. And the devil said to him, He was alone, isolated, tired, hungry. That's when the temptation came. By the way, have you ever wondered, how is it that the devil actually communicated to Jesus? If you watch those Sunday school pictures we've all grown up with, you get the idea that Satan was right there with Jesus. He appeared to Jesus in some way. You know, there's nothing in the text that necessarily suggests that Satan appeared visibly to Jesus. It said he spoke to Jesus. He said to Jesus... Very possibly, he communicated to Jesus just like he communicates to you and me through our minds. Perhaps he placed the thought in Jesus' mind, you don't have to go around hungry anymore. Go ahead and take these stones and turn them into bread. But whether Satan appeared visibly or not, that's not really the issue. The issue is Jesus battled 
wrong thoughts. And the fact that Jesus had these wrong thoughts come into his mind, did those wrong thoughts in any way make him any less the sinless, perfect Lamb of God who could take away the sins of the world? Having wrong thoughts in and of itself does not make you a sinner. If it does, then Jesus was the biggest sinner of all times because he faced the greatest temptations of anyone of all times. So what I'm saying to you, if you're going to win the mind games, if you're going to seize control of your thoughts, first of all, refuse to feel guilty when these wrong thoughts come into your mind. Instead, secondly, resist allowing wrong thoughts to linger in your mind. Refuse, or pardon me, resist allowing those wrong thoughts to linger in your mind. In that passage we read just a moment ago, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, Paul said, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's one thing to have these wrong thoughts come into your mind. It's another thing to embellish them to fantasize about them. And that's why it is so important when these wrong thoughts come in is to resist allowing them to linger in our minds. How do we do that? Well, that leads to number three. We need to recognize and replace wrong thoughts with God's thoughts. Now, double star this. We need to recognize and replace wrong thoughts with God's thoughts. Let's say that burglar... Uh, makes his way into your house. He's able to knock down your front door. You may not have any control over that. But if he does gain entry into your home, you're certainly not going to invite him in, invite him to sit in your favorite chair, fix him a pot of coffee, engage in a long conversation with him, and invite him to take up residence in a spare bedroom, are you? You're not going to do that. You're going to do everything you can to grab hold of him, to seize him, and to get him out of your house as quickly as possible. Now, that's what he's talking about. Paul is in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. He says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Once these wrong thoughts are in your mind, there are two things you need to do. Write this down. You need to recognize them as wrong thoughts and then replace them with God's thoughts. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he was being tempted by Satan. Turn back to Luke chapter 4. Let me show you what I mean. Satan comes to the Lord and says, you don't have what you need to be happy in life. God is withholding what you really need. So why don't you go ahead and turn these stones to bread? How did Jesus respond? Did he try to put those thoughts out of his mind? He didn't do that, did he? Instead, he responded to those wrong thoughts with a right thought. He quoted from Scripture in Deuteronomy and said to Satan, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And so Satan comes again to him and he says, You know, Lord, you don't have to wait to have the kingdoms of the world become yours. You can have all of the kingdoms right now if you'll simply bow down and worship me. Did Jesus say, I'm not going to think about that? I'm not going to allow that thought into my mind? No, instead in verse 8, he quoted again from the book of Deuteronomy. He said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then once again, when Satan came and tried to get Jesus to act independently from the will of the Father and to jump down from the pinnacle of the temple, in Luke 4, Jesus answered and said to him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
But you know, I grew up hearing this story about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness and how Jesus combated those temptations by quoting the Word of God. How the Word of God is a powerful weapon against the attacks of Satan. And I always had it in my mind that the reason Jesus quoted Scripture was to make Satan run away from him. Haven't you heard that before? Oh, Satan hates the Word of God. And and when you quote Scripture, it just makes the devil afraid and he runs in the opposite direction. Baloney hogwash. Satan is not afraid of the Bible. He's not afraid of the Word of God. In fact, you know, Satan knows the Bible better than most Christians know the Bible. In fact, did you know Satan quotes Scripture? How do I know that? That third temptation, when he tried to get Jesus to act independently of the Father, Satan quoted the Psalms. He shall give his angels charge over thee, Satan said to the Lord. But the Lord instead quoted Scripture back to him. You know the reason Jesus quoted Scripture? It wasn't for Satan's benefit. It was for Jesus' own benefit. It was to give him the strength to recognize the lie and replace it with God's truth so that he could act on that truth. And that's the model he's modeling for us. When we have these wrong thoughts, temptations that come into our life, we need to know God's Word so well that we're able to call up exactly the appropriate Scripture for that temptation and recognize a wrong thought and replace it with God's thought. For example, let's say you're overwhelmed with a particular fear. One of those fears comes into your mind related to your job or to your future or to your family, and you're paralyzed with fear. It's not enough to say, I'm just not going to think about that. I'm just not going to think about that. Instead, we need to take that wrong thought and replace it with God's thought. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Or Philippians 4, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Replacing wrong thoughts with God's thoughts. You see the pattern here? Recognize wrong thoughts, replace them with God's thoughts. That's what Paul means when he says, confronting those loose thoughts with the truth of God's Word. Now, there's one final crucial principle here, and that is to remember that victory is possible. You see, throughout your Christian life, Satan will taunt you with the lie that you really have no control over your thoughts, much less your life. As long as you're a resident of this planet, even if you're a Christian, you're going to have to give in to Satan's temptation because after all, you've got that sin nature inside of you and you really don't have any power and only when you're six feet under the ground will you have victory over sin in your life. Folks, don't fall for the lie of the devil. You know, at this time of the year, we're talking about, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, who came into this world not only to provide forgiveness for our sins, Jesus came to give us freedom over our sins. And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans 6, verses 6 and 7. He said, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, when Paul is talking about the person who has died is freed from sin, he's not talking about the person who is in the wooden box underneath the ground. He's talking about the person who has become a Christian. We portray that every Sunday night in baptism. When somebody walks into that baptistry and after coming to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, the minister lowers them into the water, which represents the grave, and then brings them up out of the water. 
And, and what a person is saying is, now that I'm a Christian, I have died to my old way of life. Sin no longer has control over me, and I'm being raised to a whole new way of living. How is such a thing possible? Is it because there's something magic in that water that gives people power over sin? Of course not. But the fact is, when you trust in Jesus as your Savior, not only are all of your sins, mistakes, washed away, past, present, and future, but the moment you trust in Christ, God places in you His Holy Spirit. And the same power of the Holy Spirit that lifted Jesus out of the tomb, that same resurrection power is in your life to give you power over sin. You are no longer in Satan's control. Satan has no more authority over your life than you choose to allow him to have. Remember, victory is possible. Neil Anderson, great writer, illustrates the truth of spiritual victory over Satan when he relates an experience from his childhood. Now, this is fun. Listen to this. When I was a boy on the farm... My dad, my brother, and I would visit our neighbor's farm to share produce and labor. The neighbor had a yappy little dog that scared the socks off of me. When it came barking around the corner, my dad and brother stood their ground. But I ran. Guess whom the dog chased? I escaped to the top of our pickup truck while the little dog yapped at me from the ground Everyone except me could see that that little dog had no power over me except when I gave in. Furthermore, it had no inherent power to throw me up on the pickup. It was my fear that put me up there. Because I chose to believe a lie, I essentially allowed that dog to use my mind, emotions, my will, and my muscles, all of which were motivated by fear. Finally, I gathered up my courage one day. I jumped off the pickup, and I kicked a small rock at the mutt, and lo and behold, it ran. Listen to me. Any power that Satan has over your life is because you've chosen to allow him to have that power over your life. The truth is, Satan has no more control over your life than that yappy little dog. And as Neil Anderson says... You don't have to outshout Satan. You don't have to outmuscle Satan to have victory over him. All you have to do is out-truth him. Believe, declare, act on the truth of God's Word. And you will win the mind games when Satan comes knocking. I know someone is listening to this program right now. And for the very first time... You're hearing the truth about Satan and God's plan for your personal victory. You don't need to be the victim of the devil's attacks. Satan is no more threatening to you than a little puppy nipping at your heels when you begin to use the God-given weapons against him. Truth, God's truth, is powerful. It's our greatest defense. And that's why we celebrate the truth of God's Word every day on Pathway to Victory. It's the centerpiece of everything we do because God's Word brings light into darkness. Don't forget, my book, The Divine Defense, is yours when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. And I'm happy to announce that next spring, Pathway to Victory is hosting our Bible prophecy tour to Israel. We invite you to travel with us 
April 25th through May 5th. There's an early bird discount if you register before September 30th. So go to ptv.org, look at the itinerary, and reserve your spot for our Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, we'll say thanks by sending you The Divine Defense. It's Dr. Jeffress's best-selling book on demons and spiritual warfare. To request your copy, simply call 866-999-2965 or follow the easy steps online at ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you, in addition to the book, this month's teaching series on CD and DVD. It's also titled The Divine Defense. And by the way, these messages come in their original, unedited form. And if you'd like to request that CD and DVD set, call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You could also write to us if you'd like, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. No matter where we are, it seems as if temptation lurks right around every corner. So how can we defend ourselves against Satan's attacks? Join us next time for an empowering message about the breastplate of righteousness. That's Tuesday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. The Bible is full of ancient prophecy, and you can see for yourself where these prophecies will unfold on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel. Stand on the Mount of Olives, walk the streets of Jerusalem, look out over the Valley of Armageddon, all while discovering the impact of these historic places on your faith and your future. Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel, April 25th through May 5th, 2023. And sign up before September 30th to receive an early bird discount. To learn more, go to ptv.org.